Hey, this is Tim. We had some real difficulties on this episode capturing some good audio, but our guests are in such high demand that uh, we did not really want to try to reschedule them. So we're publishing the episode anyway. Hopefully you can understand what they're saying and uh, enjoy today's episode. That is another tool that we have that just kind of helps, you know, what strategy do I use? Well, let me, you know, use these ready reference guides to help. It's not yearly. It's not monthly. It's daily. We're talking, Tim, daily five. And now it's time for another edulicious episode of the Bentley Brothers podcast, bringing you what's current and what works in education. Here are your hosts, Scott and Tim Bentley. Bentley Brothers, Bentley, Bentley Brothers, bringing education information like no other. Bentley Brothers, yep. Bentley, Bentley Brothers, bringing education information like no other. Yep. First name Bentley, last name Brothers, bringing education information like no others yep. with Tim and Scott. Yee hee hee! What do you think of that, Scott? Oh my gosh, I am super excited because there's some like really new information we're going to get to learn about today with like some amazing educators, friends, people that we just love. And I'm so excited to have them on the show. But Tim, before we get to that, talk about Global School Play Day, bro. I'm not talking about it much because I want to get to our guests. But yeah, go to globalschoolplayday.com, sign up for this year's event. It comes up the first Wednesday in every February. And uh, it's a global movement to get kids playing. Right, Scott? Yeah, that's right. NPR is picking up on the story. Word is spreading out there. Help share the word and keep this grassroots movement growing. All right. Without further ado, we have two education gods with us today. Right, Scott? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Iconic <laughs> class. Is that, the, is that the word I'm looking for? Stop it. <laughs> we have Gail Boucher with us on the show today. Uh, she has written some of the most popular books in education, The Daily Five, Daily Cafe. And she is now joined by another edu-awesome person, Allie Bainey. And she is, uh, has written the second edition of The Daily Cafe, co-authored that with Gail. Uh, and evidently, they were just in Canada, in Newfoundland, and they got to be on the radio up there. Is that right, ladies? Hey. <laughs> Well, I went. Ellie was Ellie was home working. I, but, um, I did and went up and presented at the Newfoundland's um, first literacy conference that they put on. And one of the teachers, um, Flora, had emailed the radio show and said, "Who's coming? And you've just got to have her on." And so we <laughs> went on and spoke on their on the radio and we were asking the people afterwards, now, how do you know Flora? And he goes, I don't, she was just very persistent. And <laughs> we realized I needed to have you on. And so I just came away with that thinking, you know, as educators, we are persistent and there's times we need to be. <laughs> and she was, and I've learned a lot from her. And we have a lot of Canadians here that follow you guys. Yeah, we heard that rumor somewhere. I'm not sure. <laughs> hey, so, okay, so one of the things that Tim and I have always loved about uh, Daily Five and Daily Cafe is, to, to me, and I, and I tell this to every teacher that I talk to, it's about, it's like, it's, it's helped me know my students 
better than I've ever known them with regards to their ability to read and write and the time it frees up for me to work with students is is incredible so tell us what what have you learned or what have you changed or what do you give us a little bit of a beginning taste here to this new book that you have coming out well thank you for this opportunity and yeah so daily five is you know what are the students doing and that um has been out there and that really i think revolutionized for us personally um how we were able to move to cafe and that is how do you work with students one-on-one -on -one. because if you want to work with students the rest of the kids have to be doing something and that's where daily five comes in and that is they're engaged in authentic reading and writing tasks and so then in 2009 the cafe book came out and that is what is the teacher doing uh, how are we teaching how are we teaching whole group small group one-on-one -on -one? and and how do we manage all of the paper that comes in and how do you manage assessing and having that assessment inform your instruction and then how do you keep track of your teaching and what the students are doing and learning? And that's where CAFE has lived. And then the last 10 years, we've learned more. <laughs> I mean, think of all of us. Where were we 10 years ago? I can hardly remember. Tim, where were you? Uh, we're not gonna talk about that now. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, you've moved a few times. You have a new school you're at this year. I, I'm at a new school. I was not a father at the time, so a lot has changed in 10 years. Yes. And Allie, a lot has changed for you. In fact, I was you, in... know, you are at your son's um, soccer game. Is it soccer? Soccer practice, yes. In the car. Doing... I have this stereotypical I'm soccer mom right now <laughs> sitting in the, in the car but you know 10 years ago it was I was in the kindergarten classroom and I was, I was figuring out cafe with my kindergarten students and um, and you're right Gail when you say it's really about having that it's what's the teacher doing and it's that knowing your students and really getting to know them daily five made it so that our you know we had so much more time as a teacher to be able to really spend with students and so then it was kind of like what are we how do we make the best use of that time and cafe solved that <laughs> it, it really did and over the years we've made some changes and and i think what we want to put out for you and um anyone who's listening is i think if we were to really just synthesize this down to one nugget if we could of what the second edition of cafe is all about we could do that, Allie. We could, and I, I think we would say it's about knowing your student. It's about teaching the students that you have in front of you and really focusing on, once we know our students, then we can determine what it is they need to be taught, where they need to be taught, and how they need to be taught. But it's really, it really goes down to that individual child. Is that what you would say, Gail? That's exactly what I was gonna say, and, it sounds like it sounds so simple and it sounds like oh isn't that what we talk about anyway? but the difference is i think our first edition and most of education still is 
we think about the settings. We think, okay, I'm going to teach whole group. I'm going to teach small group and I'm going to teach one-on-one and I'm going to schedule that all out. Um, and this is, this is just a pivot, a shift, but it's critical because in this book, what we're talking about is we figure out what the student needs and then we figure out the setting because we're not just putting kids in small groups just to put kids in small groups. We're not just doing a whole group with whatever and we're not just doing one-on-one we're saying okay if this child needs comprehension and they need to check for understanding where is it the best setting for them to learn that and then once they've learned it where is it that we're going to transfer because as john hattie always says the the number one thing is kids have to be able to transfer the learning from one situation to the next. And if we can start with a student, what they need, teach them that, and then move into transferring all different settings, that's truly what the second edition of Kathleen really talks about. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds like um, the, the level of intentionality is ramped up in this version of the cafe and and how you can be more intentional about what you're doing with your students rather than uh, making the plan before you know the need, <laughs> which is easy to do. It's easy to get caught up in the content and the plan and make the plan and then adapt from there. But what, what a better shift to be like, okay, what do my students need? That's how I'm gonna plan. Um, and I love that. Well, and I think so many of our, um, you know, as teachers, we have so many things that we have to teach our students and so we're just looking at all that and we're like okay how am I going to get this all in okay today I need three whole group lessons on the you know on these three things and I need this many small groups and and it's just trying to get all that content in but what cafe does is it lets us look and say okay who needs this content and how are we best going to teach it but yeah I mean it's it's very easy to do when you see all of that that we are responsible for teaching <laughs> so get us started uh, uh, Gail or, or Allie Get us started with what is what is the book asking us as teachers to do? I mean, you're not talking about obviously just giving the kids some sort of a pre-can, you know, pre-test or something. It's like pass out the pre-test, everybody take this test. Okay, now I'm going to put you into the groups based on your results. But you know, give us a little bit more of an idea. What is this going to look like in the classroom? How is the teacher going to actually get to know their kids and thereby know how to teach them better? Great question. The first thing we really talk about is how to assess and how to assess with whatever assessments teachers have. Um, they use that assessment, then they also layer on the cafe menu of you're hearing your students, you can figure out what they're good at, and that's the number one thing. Where are they coming from? What are they showing you that they can do? And then what is the next step for them? If we can, we call it two in two. In the next two weeks, what would two strategies be that would really make a difference for the student? And we're gonna help identify those two strategies with them. So we're going to assess, use whatever assessment they have. But we also have the cafe menu, which is a skills and strategies that help teachers say, what am I gonna teach? Or if I'm looking at the student in this assessment, we can now come up with a, 
a bit of a plan or look to say, okay, this is what most readers need these strategies. So let's choose one or two of those to help a student out. And in the second edition, we were really um, took the ready reference guides from the first edition and we've revised and added to them. So now we have on that ready reference guide for each strategy. If these are the things you're seeing, this might be a good strategy for your student. Or at the end, it could say, you know, here's a partnering strategy. So if they have, you know, um, went through with one, they've went through with a strategy and they're getting ready to layer on a new strategy, they can use those ready reference guides to help them. And I think that is another tool that we have that just kind of helps, you know, what strategy do I use? Well, let me, you know, use these ready reference guides to help. Is there anything you can recall right now from the ready reference guide uh, to give our listeners an idea of what types of things they would see there? So our ready reference guide has a debt, we have one for each strategy and there's a definition, you know, so here's the strategy of check for understanding and here's what it means. Here's when you would need this strategy. Here's some of the things you'll notice from students when they might, the strategy might be um, helpful. Here's some ways we teach this strategy, the secret to success for students. And then we go into, there's some instructional pivots. So if you're teaching this strategy using this language and it's not working, here's some suggestions for different um, instructional, you know, shifts that could help. And then, you know, we sum at the very end, it's like, here's some partnering strategies. So after they've, you know, used that strategy, then they can, we can say, okay, here might be the next steps for, for this child. Gail, did I leave anything out of that? There's a lot on that. That paper is so full. <laughs> <laughs> Just the one where if, if a teacher is seeing that the student is doing a certain thing, um, for example, if they're not stopping and reading the beginning and the ending of the sounds in accuracy, they might want to work on a certain strategy. So we've really identified if a teacher sees this, then you might want to teach that. So we've never had that before, um, but we heard from others that that would be very helpful. So that's what we added also to the ready reference guides. I, I mean, I love this. It's like, look for these things to diagnose. And then here's the kind of like the next step for you. And if that step doesn't work, uh, correct me if I'm hearing this wrong, but if that step doesn't work, here's maybe some other things you can try. And it's all right there. Right, that's exactly yep. right. And it's all on one page. <laughs> it's kind of our one pager. <laughs> Here's the other thing that we are really wanting. It's not, it's not a cookbook. It's not a scripted program. <clears throat> it really keeps that um, professional thought there for teachers. It's really a scaffold for teachers. It's a, just a, a reminder. Okay, remember, you already know some of this. Try this area too. So. We wanted people to really feel like they're being supported, but also that we're being very professional with them. Yeah. It's, I mean, to me, it sounds like a wonderful navigation system to help um, younger teachers, veteran teachers navigate some of these things where you're like, you want to desperately make a difference for that child, but like you, you, you can't have all the strategies uh, in your head and to have that resource to fall back onto. So when you're like, oh gosh, did I try it? What, how, what else can I do to reach that child to get them to be reading? Uh, it just sounds like just an awesome resource for sure. Well, you said something too there, Scott, that really prompted us to um, 
be really clear about some of the aspects of this because we can't keep everything in our head. And I think when we really started to say, let's, let's back off from the idea that we have to have a certain way that we're teaching whole group and a certain way that we're teaching small group and a certain way that we're teaching one-on-one, -on -one, good teaching is good teaching. So our instruction protocol really works off of this behavioralist look at how we're teaching and we're borrowing that same framework of how we're teaching and we're using it throughout the whole day. So we're not having to remember and learn something new every time we're meeting with a student. It's like, okay, I'm meeting one-on-one. -on -one. How, how do I confer one-on-one -on -one with a student? Oh. You're teaching the same way that you would teach small group or, or whole group. So we're really um, excited to be just more explicit about that. Now, you just said something that uh, triggered something in my, in my head. So I want to follow up on that. You said behavioralist. Do you consider yourself to be a behavioralist when it comes to instruction and comes to teaching? Or are you more constructivist? Are you a mix? Where are you on that spectrum? Yeah. Well, that's a good point. In our instruction protocol of teaching really leans into the behavioralist meaning we're going to identify what's to be taught and we're going to teach it. And then we're going to check to see if the kids have it and then we're looking for transfer. So when we're teaching skills and strategies, then we are moving towards the behavioralist piece. But we're identifying what those strategies are and we're identifying with the students. We're asking them, what do you know about yourself? And what do you think is your, going to be your next step? Allie, did you, uh, how do you, what do you consider yourself? Are you more behavioralist or are you more like constructivist? Uh, you know, is that, what's your approach? I feel like, you know, Gail and I, we did a lot of work on this um, instruction protocol and it really is, it's, it's does follow that behavioralist um, view because we are, it, it I don't even know how to explain it in a better way than you did, Gail. I mean, it really is. Um, that's that's what this instruction protocol. That's where, what it follows. And we're also construction. We're constructivists. We're also. I mean, we're looking at all sorts of um, different theories of action. Uh, but the behave. But our instruction protocol really does work off of. Okay, the child needs this. Let's identify it. Let's teach it. Let's figure out another way to teach it. Um, we're going to check in to make sure a student has it. We're going to get back in there and teach it again. What do you feel like are some of the biggest mistakes or misconceptions about instruction, about teaching writing that are happening in elementary school classrooms today? Well, that is mm. the writing gurus. <laughs> Scott, I want you to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you got it. So the biggest problem that's happening in writing instruction is a lot, to me, it's the lack of intentionality about how we teach writing. Uh, I think what I see is um, it's a lot of disconnected pieces out of context. Uh, and uh, especially without audience being like a top priority in teaching writing. Uh, 
gosh, man, when I need to write an email to a friend, I don't really care if there's errors and edits and things like that. But when I have an audience that I know is important to me, uh, whether it's a boss or a parent community or whatever, I ramp up exactly what I'm saying. I'm very cautious about how I word things. I think it through very carefully. And I think one of the problems that I see out there in classrooms is the lack of connected audience for their kids to write for. They're writing for a teacher and you know they've learned already how to tune out your voice by week three of school the school year so clearly they're not going to care but as soon as you like ramp up you know if it's publishing for peers if it's doing a blog post for other kids in a different town whatever it is to ramp up that audience i think we missed that uh in education when we only write in class writing and don't take it out of the class for that audience but you know i'm i'm a that's I, I'm far from an expert in that. <laughs> well, I think you bring up a really good point about that too, and that is, as teachers, we all we all think of ourselves as reading teachers. We all are, we're all readers. As writing teachers, we don't think of ourselves as writers. And so to convey that and to then come in with courage and to come in with a background, we need to be able to take any student to become a proficient writer, I think we're, we need much more professional development on that area. Allie? I, I would agree with that. And I think a lot of, you know, a lot of the schools that I work in, when I say, what do you use? What's your curriculum for writing? What do you use to teach writing? They're like, oh, we don't, we don't really have one. Um, and that, that kind of goes along with both what Scott and Gail are saying. You know, I think, there needs to be more intentionality. Okay, how are you teaching this? What are you teaching? And um, yeah, it needs to not be the, the I don't wanna say, it's not an afterthought by any means, but I feel like so often we have time for our reading instruction or our phonics instruction and our math block and our and then writing is like, okay, what, where does that fit in? And how do we have time for that? Oh, I've got this chunk of time. And that's not always the case, but I, I, I would say in, in quite a few schools, it's kind of like, what do you use for writing? And they're not sure. And so, um, yeah, and it, it is all part of the puzzle and we, and it needs to be, it needs to be, it needs to be more. They're using the hamburger paragraph. That's what they're using. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. And when you yeah. look at the world, there's a lot of hamburger paragraph. No, there's not. <laughs> there's there's not, not a lot of hamburger paragraph essays. And no one yeah. writes like that. There was no, no answer text for writing like that. No writer who's been published writes that way. Yet that's what we're teaching. True. So there is a total disconnect. I don't know. When I read J.K. Rowling, I'm thinking it's a lot of hamburger paragraphs. <laughs> The, old, the closest thing to hamburger paragraphs is a history textbook. That's the closest thing to hamburger with no That's boys. We're not, we're not all going to be history um, paragraph writers. Right. right. <laughs> well, my two cents is, uh, and oh my gosh, I think writing is the most, the reason I'm asking this question is I think it's the hardest thing to teach. You know, it really is hard to teach. But I think that there's two things. I would we, challenge you on that, too. Oh, what do you think is the hardest to teach? All of it. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Teaching is just hard, period. But yes. I, I think two things that, that I am trying to do is balance between kind of a free write uh, opportunity for kids so they get to do a lot of writing and just practice the skill. We give them lots of opportunity to read and just practice reading. But, you know, sometimes I think as teachers, it's like, 
here's your writing assignment and you have to do this exact thing that I'm asking you to do instead of just giving an opportunity to write, which I know that the Daily Five is all about that. And then the, uh, the other side of the swing of the pendulum in the other direction is I think that we don't ask kids to be uh, critical thinkers often enough and analyze their own writing and mainly the writing of their peers and give feedback to their peers and do a little bit of peer critique and conferencing with each other and really dig into some writing and say, what do you like about this? What would you change about this? And get some really good, you know, sparks flying in your room as some critical thinking about writing. We just write and we just throw it, you know, put a little star on it and move on, which is good sometimes, right? I mean, we just want to have the kids practice writing, but I think we need that other side too, having both sides of the, uh, the coin of writing. You're talk, are you talking about having a balance in education, Tim? A balance. That's crazy yeah. talk. <laughs> are you thinking? <laughs> so do you guys have a, a new book coming out? Is that right? <laughs> yes, the Cafe Second Edition. Too. Yes, it is. It's going to be great. We also in, introduced a new word called instructional pivots. Ooh, nice. Like and when is, when is the book coming out that we've been talking about here today? Well, November 20th is the official drop drop date. Oh, so this show is going to be very timely. It's coming out just in time for the big release. Okay. <laughs> just I, that's really close to my 50th birthday. Whoa! You know what you could get for me, Tim? <laughs> A copy of the Daily Cafe second edition. Second edition. I want it. <laughs> Oh, that's a done deal, Scott. Thank you, bro. All right. Well, Ed, Scott, you don't look a day over 48. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. Okay. It's because it's of the plumpness of my face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, give me a break. You look like a kid. <laughs> okay. So uh, we're going to switch gears with you right now. Things have gotten a little out of hand. I, I think just... we already did shift gears. Yeah. <laughs> or or <laughs> lost the gear altogether. So we're going to play a little game with both of you today. Uh, we understand that you're both Seattle Seahawks fans. Is that right? <laughs> well, I am. I am. Uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, uh, Scott, why don't you tell our audience who Gail and Allie will be competing for today in our little Seahawks trivia? Well, it's called Throw That Gail Mary Seahawks. <laughs> That's the name of our game. I was going to skip that part. <laughs> no, that's funny. That is funny. Gail, I totally appreciate that. Um, Gail, you and Allie are going to be competing for Michaela Cardwell, a reading specialist and literacy coach in Virginia Beach, Virginia. If you're able to answer two out of three questions correctly, Michaela will be awarded. Wait a second. Will you tell her what she's going to get? Yes. <laughs> You will get a copy of the new cafe <gasps> book that's coming out November 20th. And oh. we're going to sign you up for our website, thedailycafe.com. Oh Scott, you were gosh. supposed to pick me to win this prize. so that yeah, I, I thought I would want to win it <laughs> for my birthday. <laughs> no, it's for me to give to you. Okay. <laughs> All right, so Gail, here we go, and Allie with your first question. Number one, who is the first head coach of the Seattle Seahawks? Is it A? Jack Patera. Is it B? Chuck Knox. Or is it C? Tom Flores. E. 
Chuck Shut Knox. Up. Well, no, that's not correct. Oh. <laughs> it's actually Jack Patera. Have you heard of him? Well, yes, but I didn't know he was the CEO. Okay, all right, okay. Okay, okay. well, you better pull I it together here. We've only got two more. I jumped in, you probably knew that. I should have waited. Allie probably knew I it. I totally the... knew that answer, but you oh know, my it's gosh. okay. Okay, you guys better discuss the next one. <laughs> all, of, all of Seattle just sighed. <laughs> here we go, number two. What year did the Seahawks enter the NFL? Is it A? 1972. Is it B? 1976. Or is it C? 1999. Okay. okay. <laughs> My year of birth. <laughs> we know it's not C. So it's either A or B. What do you think, Allie? Okay, so Boy, I was going to say B. Brothers. <laughs> okay, so it must. Okay. Go ahead, Allie. Well, I was going to say B, but I, you know. Yes, yes. That's correct. Yes, it's B. 1976. Okay, well, your third final question. What team beat the Seahawks? Sorry, I know it's kind of depressing. To win, to win Super Bowl. Al, you, you need to get grab some Kleenex here. I know it's just uh, bringing back some bad memories for you. Uh, beat the Seahawks to win Super Bowl 45. No, 40. Is it A? The New England Patriots. Is it B? The Baltimore Ravens. Or is it C? The Pittsburgh Steelers. They're conferring. Um, (laughs) Conferring. You know what? I'm conferring with Nathan. (laughs) (laughs) I'm phoning a friend. Phone a friend. Well, that's allowed. He that's just allowed. said the Ravens were good back then, is what he said to me. <laughs> I really think you're going to see like, through all the bad answers. You really what? will see through all the bad answers. I so, really is it the New yes, England Patriots, okay. the Baltimore Ravens, or the Pittsburgh Steelers? We will yes. see. <laughs> the I think you'll see one of them. The answer. C. C. Is that your final answer? If Scott says so. <laughs> yes, well, that is. They are called the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yay! So, yeah, that's correct. Scott, Yay! how did Allie and Gail do on today's ridiculously hard game show? Sports trivia. Sports trivia. Good job, Gail and Allie. You got two out of three correct. And that's good <laughs> enough to be a winner. Woo! And congratulations, you won nothing. But Michaela... Virginia Beach, Virginia. She just won a copy of your new book, and she gets to go. This website, Tim, is amazing. We're using it at my school. It's so awesome. Um, a, co- a, a subscription to the, the Daily, Daily Cafe, Cafe website. Yay. This is awesome. Yay. So, uh, Allie and Gail. Allie, why don't you get us started? Tell people how to subscribe, uh, how to find the book. 
thedailycafe.com and there is a there's a sign there's a sign in at the top where you can subscribe to be a member and we get a tip of the week every friday comes to your inbox so part of that you'll get to see all of our we have about four articles that come out each week and a tip and there's some professional development opportunities on and all sorts of good stuff so um, that would be the the place i would say to go first and then gail is there something well, you would suggest right stenhouse.com stenhouse is our publisher and you can go there right now and pre-order the book um, and then you'll be one of the first to get it so stenhouse.com has the books um, that are that are coming they're not done yet they're not here yet but we're pretty excited yeah, oh, you, can, you can connect with you on at the daily cafe on twitter as well yes. as oh you're on instagram too right yes and facebook and facebook with, with tips and and great hints and all kinds of good stuff thank you excellent so thank yes. you so much ladies for coming on the show with us today and uh we had a lot of fun I don't know if our audience learned anything, but you know, I mean, with all our jokes in there and the goofing around, but I'm sure they learned some stuff from you guys. It's fun, and that's the other thing they need to know. If they think they're fun, that was that was good too. We need that. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, brothers, for having us on. Thank you. Thank you so much, as always. And uh, if uh, anyone has an opportunity to some time to go to. Stitcher or iTunes, iTunes, any place like that where the Bedley Brothers found and write us a review. We greatly appreciate that. And uh, thank you so much for listening, everyone. But mostly thanks for listening. Show so good. We love you, Mom and Dad. Try to think about the best show you had. I kind of liked it when you brought on your dad. National Teacher of the Year. That was cool. Bedley Brothers. 2013, 2000 every team, getting her done, Big Ron here, getting her done, I think I might change my name to Ron Bedley, so I could be one of those Bedley brothers, mm-hmm, yeah, Bedley brothers, Bedley, Bedley brothers, bringing education information like no other, Bedley brothers. Bedley, Bedley, bro.